That's awesome. I've never had that done, ever. 23 years. Some of you are looking a little, some, most of you are laughing. A few of you are looking really quizzical. You're pinching yourself. Is this really church? Yeah, man. Wow. I'm not rooting for the saints. This is just a shirt. It's just a shirt. You know, I'll tell you what, uh, what happened last night was a surprise attack. That's what it was. In military terms, it's a reconnoiter. It's where God goes forth and, and causes something to happen that was not, uh, there was no opposition. No, no oppose, opposing forces could um, begin to tactically uh, bring opposition. And that's really uh, the last 10 years is the kind of the code that, uh, that I've lived by is a tactical, uh, strategic, special forces type nature of ministry where often God will overnight or within two or three days set you on a mission or set you on a course. And, I, and really, that's how revival works. True revival. You you really never know when it's going to happen. You know, when they were in the upper room, it wasn't pre-planned. There wasn't a conference. There was no special speakers. They were the, really there out of their own fear for their lives. And they had sought refuge in a safe house in Jerusalem to wait upon some mystical promise of Jesus that they would receive power. And, uh, excuse me, mint. You'll find a mint up here later. You can have it. But, uh, you know, they were, they were waiting for this promise of power. Power, see, this is really intriguing to me. Uh, the original intent of God uh, centuries ago, the, the original blueprint as he unfurled the strategy, as he unfurled the battle plan. It was a battle plan, folks. It, wasn't, it was literally a military takeover. It was a, a, a global attack on nuclear proportions. God was going to give a strategy like uh, a guy would build a bomb, a dunamis, a dynamo, a dynamite power. He was going to instill upon a simple folk that they would literally go back to the Genesis factor. Literally. You know, if we would have done what we were told to do in the beginning, we would have never sinned. We would have never fallen from God. I, mean, I want to make this point. I'm going to drive this home. You're going to love this. If we would have done the mandate that had to be recreated in Acts chapter 1 and 2, if we would have done that in the creation, 8, 9, 10, or whatever the timeline was, thousands of years before Jesus, if we would have done the strategy, the battle plan of the captain of our faith, Jesus, if we would have followed that, we would have never been at the tree to sin. We would have never regressed. We would have never fallen uh, away from God. What was the battle plan? Go. Leave the garden and possess the land. Take dominion and multiply. That was the mandate. That was before any other instructions. There was a blueprint. There was a militant, military, soldier-like, warrior mentality that God put on them to go out into a uh, dangerous uh, world and subdue it and be the light. And what happened was the gravity of Eden, the gravity of that place where they were conceived, the place where they had that inception of God, that gravity of that, the, the pleasure of that, the comfort of that, uh, the mystery of that kept them there. 
And it began a digression to the point where they were at the tree at the wrong place at the wrong time. To the point where God had to put an angel. See, that's amazing to me. There wasn't an angel, you know, to, uh, of instruction. It wasn't an angel of, you know, revelation. It was an angel forbidding them to continue on that track. Leave, go. And I'm telling you, we have a modern-day Garden of Eden, the place where we were conceived, the place of our inception. It's called church. And guess what, folks? The angels that are coming now are the angels with fiery swords saying, charge. It's time to go. It's time to reenact the original intent of heaven and take over our cities, take over our world. You know, any city that has a dark place in it, a place that's dangerous. You ever heard of those? Every city I go to, the first thing I hear is don't go there. <laughs> Guess where I go? That's exactly where I'm going to go. Because it, it, are you okay? It offends me. Something in me just goes crazy when I have the thought that there's places in our city that the light of Jesus is not relevant, where the creator of the world is not respected, where the enemy of our soul and the enemy of every child in this place rules and reigns. My friend, if there's an area in your city that's dangerous, dark, and decadent, where you would fear for your children or your wife's life if they walk through my men of God in this church, you better get your battle gear back on. You better don your seals and green beret hats. Get your weapons out. You're like Clint Eastwood. Take those weapons out of the box. It's time for battle. You know, I'm telling you, men have lost the war cry. Men have lost the battle. Man, you look at men in in Iraq, young teenagers and special forces, they'll fling themselves into harm's way. They'll go into places they know they could never uh, possibly ever get out alive. And yet in our modern city today, there's places where men would not even entertain the thought of going. Uh, Places where our children could be killed. Places where our wives could be accosted. My friend, it's time for men of God to put back on, oh man, I'm, I'm speaking to someone in here. It's time to possess the land. It's time to have fearlessness. You always see, uh, you know, fear this or no fear on people's pickup trucks. Well, man, that really is the anthem of the church. We should fear nothing but God. And there should be no place safe in our city from the light of Jesus Christ. We got to get a military mindset and an aggression again. And get a vision. And I'm telling you, man, last night was a surprise attack. I had no idea. I'm going to give a confession. I even contemplated on the way back to Savannah if I'd even stay. I was driving back yesterday going, man, I don't know, man. God, I could be home. I could be home by 7 o'clock and watch the UFC on my own flat screen. God, it would be so cool. I'm just telling you the truth. And somewhere between Savannah and here, something clicked inside me. I said, wait a minute. This God is up to something here. This is extraordinary. This ain't just a normal thing. We might conceive that. You know, that's the enemy of revival is normality. I'm telling you, it's the greatest opposition that you could face in all of your life. It's not temptation. It's not a playboy bunny. I'm telling you, the greatest opposition is being normal and having a low expectation. The Old Testament said it's a spirit of lightness. It's an abomination to God. It's taking things lightly. And I, and I faced that last night driving down Highway 84, a spirit of lightness to take these things lightly. And it suddenly dawned on me, whoa, wait a second. This is big. Jessup is on, is on the radar. 
God is about to do something that's absolutely extraordinary. And he, I don't care if it takes one, five, or all of them want to get on board. He's going to do it nonetheless. And when we walked in here last night with just a, just, a, just a remnant of kids and a few adults, I walked in that room, man, and I'm telling you, it came on me. I said, oh, boy, look at this. Jesus. And I've been in big places, small places, icons of Christianity. And I'm telling you that nothing can move you like that spirit of God that has an intent in its heart to change a city, to change a generation, to change a church. And we walked in here and it was it was it was I was undone. I said, oh, here we go, man. It's been a while since I felt this love. Revival's in the air. I'm telling you, revival, you begin to smell it. I can smell revival now. I'm telling you, I was born in revival. I don't know if you know about much about me, but I'm telling you, I was born in revival. My first friend was Leonard Ravenhill. I mean, I, I was breathed revival. My first month in Jesus, I saw a, a 90% of the institution of rapists and murderers and thieves saved. Guards in our cells wanting prayer. People coming from 100 miles to investigate a bunch of teenagers in an institution as God moved. That's all I've ever known. And I'm telling you, you can smell revival. You can feel the tingle. You can just feel. And you can certainly tell when it's not. There's a lot of things happening right now. If it wasn't for cameras, it would have passed like a ship in the night. But I'm agreed. Boy, true revival changes the fabric of a city. It changes the whole metabolism, the whole DNA. And it begins to turn the great ship called Titanic from the the rocks of religion, and points it back to the shores. You know, I, I, I don't have time to explain too much, but I know that we've come to a crossroads, and things are beginning to change, and I'm starting to realize that a lot of the things God showed me decades ago, years ago, it's coming to pass. I remember I was in the bowels of the prayer center, World Prayer Center, in like 99, in C. Peter Wagner's office when we were all in prayer. And I remember a vision I had of a great shift that was beginning to turn. It's, it's happening right now. We're this God, the enemy's intent that we're a Titanic, that we're a sinking generation, a sinking church, just like the 60s and 70s that had a flare of revival, Jesus movement, and then the post, uh, you know, the baby boomer thing kicked in, and we, we chased success, we chased prosperity, and we sunk into the mire of tradition and religion again, and a, a, it became a historic page on the annals of Christianity. But I tell you, the enemy's intent is for this generation to sink into the bottomless pit of mediocrity again, religion, and just keep going around the mountain. But I'm telling you, it's turning now. It's turning. Something's happening, and God is coming to this place, this conclusive place. I'll do it no matter what. He's going to do it. And I'm so thankful for that. But something's happening in the conscience of Christianity right now that it's clicking. It's clicking. To hear Pharaoh say what he said, what you're hearing from him is is not emotion. Is it? You know him. Something's happening. He observed something last night. Boy, God is on the move, and God's coming at an angle. It's all about angles. Ask a fighter. Ask a boxer. It's all about angles. The, God is taking the angle on the enemy, man. It's all a setup. And you know where he's got to start? I really, truly believe men have to be stirred up. We've got to become warriors again. We've got to become warriors again. Whoever was in the service here, any veterans here at all in the army? One, two, I'm telling you, what did they teach you? You know, 2 Timothy says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're soldiers. We're enlisted in the army. We're not drafted into a, you know, 
a socialite club or a, you know what I mean? We're drafted into the army. We got to take this battle so seriously and begin to rethink everything. Amen? I want to read just a little thing here. I'm going to tell you what I saw last night. Um, we took a kind of a turn. My first book got published by a, a really incredible, for a first-time author to be published by Destiny Image is really flattering. But this, we, we, we chose to go a different route, more of a self-publishing route, so we could have more freedom with it and garnered some great endorsements. But I want to read a, a couple paragraphs of what it looks like. Amen? You all right, dude? There's every chapter has in this book has a revival quote in it. One of these chapters has a quote that's just really uh, riveting to me. It says that we preach the second coming of Christ and half the world's never heard of the first. Oh, boy. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Jesus. Let me read a couple paragraphs of what we saw last night. Who was here last night? Raise their hand. Look at these kids, man. Dude. The worst, you know, I'm going to give you another, another footnote. Three times in history has the enemy tried to oppose a whole generation. Three times in world history has he issued a warrant for the life of youth on a staggering global level. Three times in world history. Once was Moses, once was the birth of Jesus, and once was the 1970s against a generation that was going to rise up. Now what's amazing is in Moses' day it was just a city. In Jesus' day, it was just a region. In this hour, it's a whole generation. That's how a great of a threat these youth are. That the enemy would decree a death warrant called abortion on billions of kids. Not only did he see one deliverer, he saw millions of deliverers. He saw an anointing, an end-time anointing. If you can grasp this, this will change your whole theology of how great this generation is. How incredible that the enemy literally issued a warrant to kill every child. He saw how uh, saw how formidable and what God was going to do for this generation. Is you the one with the skateboard? Are you the guy? We started prophesying over this guy last night. It was awesome. Just out of the blue, we're still in worship. We started prophesying uh, faster and higher, faster, extreme sports. God's going to use you. And then we started talking about skateboards and dude, and just the night before, he was saying, I'm going to be a pro skater. I'm going to be a pro skater. You know what? He's going to be a pro skater. And he's going to use that vehicle to win thousands, if not tens of thousands, to Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just think about this for a moment. Father, we just thank you for this, this episode on planet Earth. We thank you that you're up to something in Jessup. That is extraordinary. And, Father, we, we ask you for the grace to make the changes that are necessary. Just like an army that's out on a battlefield and the landscape of battle begins to change. And us as leaders, we've got to change with it as orders come from headquarters. And, Father, we know that there is a, a surprise attack. You are beginning to reposition and posture us into a place where a city can be saved, Father. Where the youth, Lord, can begin to resort uh, to your camp can resort and find a, way, a place of safety and refuge and begin to walk in the power of God. Father, we thank you right now that the works of the enemy are coming to nothing, that the strategy and the opposition of Satan in this region is beginning to be dissolved and diffused. Lord, the bomb, so to speak, that he has created to destroy and to distract and to detract from what God is doing are now being uh, spoiled 
You are springing the trap of the fowler God. Even as Jessup has garnered international attention because of the enemy. We thank you, Father, that that is just a sign of things to come in the spiritual landscape. That, Lord, the enemies of the cross have come to amass here in Jessup for reasons unknown. But, Lord, we thank you that uh, even as Elisha, greater is the kingdom of God. Greater is the host of heaven that surround Jessup, Lord. And you're going to begin to take the scales off the eyes of all of us. And we're going to begin to glimpse the, the greatness and, the, and Father, the, the, the magnitude of your purposes in Jessup. And, Lord, it's going to be shocking when we, we begin to realize on even a greater scale that this city was set aside to win the world for Jesus, that this was to be a military strategic stronghold of righteousness where tens of thousands would come to be trained, to be equipped, to be baptized in fire, and, and Lord, to take an oath, to take an oath and a covenant with God that uh, I will not love my life even unto death. And, and Father, there would come from Jessup an army of, of lover warriors that will give their life on the front lines of humanity that would go to the uttermost parts of the earth to be saved, Father. I thank you, Lord, that more uh, radical type people are going to begin to come in this church that have come from radical militant religions like Islam that are going to be saved. They're going to stumble into these buildings like Saul of Tarsus that have had a dream, a vision, a visitation of Jesus uh, in their own private uh, quarters. And God, they're going to begin to come in here with a radical agenda. Win the world for Jesus. And Father, they're going to be uncompromising. They're going to be a very challenge. They're going to be very challenging to us as Christians because we've kind of grown accustomed and we've been at our own pace and, and doing our own thing. And that's okay. And it's pretty radical. But Father, these people are radical. They've come from a background, God, that it's death. They've given it all for a wrong reason. But Lord, as they begin to get saved, boy, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with and they're going to stumble in churches like this, Father. And they're going to be a, a, they're going to be a torchbearer. And they're going to raise the standard of commitment. And, Father, uh, young uh, jihad-type kids are going to begin to be saved. And, uh, Father, we're going to see a revolution. And, Father, Jessup, Georgia, Father, we thank you for reasons unknown, at least to me. Father, you have set this place aside to be an epicenter, to train young people to go to the nations, to teach them, Father, to walk in the Holy Spirit and power, and to love not their life even unto death. And, Father, from uh, this crucible will come crusaders that will go into the uttermost parts of the earth to preach Jesus Christ with a simplicity and with a power that is uh, unprecedented. Father, we thank you that things are shifting. We thank you that we're going to stay one step ahead of the enemy. We'll change when necessary. We'll move when necessary. We'll stop and stand when necessary, but we'll stay one step ahead of the curve of the battle, and you will continue to give us revelation how we can be on the offensive, that we can begin to make strategic moves and, and oppose the enemy and take back coveted territory in this region, Jesus. We thank you right now, Father, that, that strong angels have come, Father. There are strong angels that have come, Father. I believe even this weekend, if I could be that bold to say this to you, that even this weekend a host of, and a company of heaven have taken place and have come because of the cries of the people and because of the strategic nature of this moment have come to stand at the gates of this city and have come to begin to give instruction, have come like the angel that stood in the plains of Jericho to Joshua 
Joshua, who said, whose side are you on? I'm on God's side. And he came, Father, to begin to uh, plan an attack and begin to shift the army and give them strategy and give them a way to win the city and, and give them weapons of their warfare that are not of this earth but are strong through God for the pulling down of strongholds. For what's done in Jessup is done around the world. We thank you. The battles won here. We do not take lightly because they reflect battles that are being taken uh, place all around the world, Jesus. Uh, The battles of poverty, the battles of sin, the battles of false religion, the battles, Father, uh, of of mediocrity and tradition. The battles won here, Father, are on a global scale. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Uh, for the company of heaven that have come, Lord, the angels, they're, they're not angels, Lord, that come to tickle our fancy. They're angels that if we could see them, we'd be as if we were dead, like John in the island of Patmos. These are formidable, <laughs> this is a formidable host of heaven, God, that we don't take lightly. They're here to do battle. They're here to tear down strongholds. They're here to wrestle against principalities that are opposing the freedom of whole nations. We thank you, Father, that you have chosen us for such a time as this. There's no real explanation why you come to a city, but, Father, you have. And we pray today, God, that we begin to have visions. I believe people will begin to have utterly astounding visions. They won't even really know how to even phantom them. They'll just have to come together and say, what does this mean? What did I see? God is doing something on a scale that we've never glimpsed before. We thank you that you're going to give us revelation, Lord, and and you're going to have us uh, move out with power. And uh, we thank you that uh, uh, the leadership will have a, a... just a, just an uncanny ability to shift and move quickly into formation, or as Joel said, rank and file, Father, not thrusting one another. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, something incredible, panoramic, and utterly astounding is taking place in the cities of Georgia and Jessup. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing right now. And, Lord, we just issue a decree to the angels, go forth in power Go forth as ministers, the heirs of salvation. Go forth as flames of fire and go about the Lord's work. The Lord says to you today that the media attention has only just begun. There's other things that are going to unfold in this region. But the Lord says do not fear for the enemy would be fear and try to bring alarm and draw false attention to these things. But the Lord says to you, you stay on track. Let it be a sign to you that harvest is here. It's time. It's time. It's time. And uh, you'll understand what's going on. And uh, the Lord will use that, and uh, people will come to interview you and say, what, what do you feel about these things that are happening in, the, in this area? And you'll say, Jesus is on the move. You'll have a right answer in the right time to give an answer for the hope that's within you. So we thank you right now for what's unfolding in Jessup, Georgia, Jesus, that will literally grab the attention of the world. And, Father, people will begin to come to church for uh, various reasons. Some will be afraid. Some will be fearful for their lives. But they'll come, God, and the peace, of, the peace and shalom of Jesus will arrest their hearts, God, and they'll go back into their lives and their, and their families and preach Jesus. And we will see literally tens of thousands saved in Georgia in the forthcoming months and year. Lord, 2010, God, is a pivotal and, and pinnacle year for this state, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I'll read that later. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
for the young people, Lord. That's why it's critical. I'll just say this in prayer. I believe that Saturday, that Saturday gig, that, that it kept coming out last night. This wasn't our fancy. It was really a prophetic word that there would be a day of the week. And it couldn't just be monthly. It had to be something very consistent because the youth are going to begin to look for a place to resort because of fear, because of circumstances, because of a n- probably a number of things. They're going to they're going to frantically look for a place to go, almost like a, a looking for an ark in times of floods. And they're going to look for a place to go. And if you would seize the moment and just by faith step out and say, OK, we need to create a place in here weekly that we could put a clarion call out to the youth of the city and the youth of the region say, come, uh, there'll be no agenda. There'll be no certain preacher. There'll be no there'll be no adult trying to instruct you. There'll be just people facilitating off in the background, the fringes, but the core group will be the youth and the worship, and they'll begin to come from all over the region. And, and because of circumstances that are going to begin to happen in the spring and the, and the summer that are out of your control, that might seem alarming at first, but the kids are going to come. And if you'll set up an ark now, if you'll prepare an ark now and, and begin to do it now by faith like you did this Saturday, I'm telling you, man, by the end of summer, you're going to see hundreds of kids begin to come to Jesus and begin to go back in their schools and declare and there'll be an ensign and a sign and a wonder even to adults that are in fear and trepidation and they'll be bold as lions and they'll speak the truth in the in the uh, jaws of circumstances and and they'll be like Daniel they really will be like Daniel in the mountain the den of lions and they'll be powerful and beautiful and so father we thank you that these things are that you're just trusting us with this Lord you're just trusting us with something. You're giving us a strategy, Lord, to be to be uh, a father uh, before the rains come. And Lord, we'll be a, this will be a place where just hundreds of kids will take refuge. It'll be a phenomenon. And you'll just have to make adjustments, man. Some things might not fit in that kind of atmosphere, but let's just let it happen, man. That'll be a test. What do we want anyways? We want revival. We want thousands of these kids, man, to come to know Jesus. And go back into their world, man, and absolutely transform it. And probably bring back Jesus. Conclusively, probably bring back the Lord. Because when this gospel is preached to all the nations, then the end shall come. Not a day sooner, not a day later. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's just keep praying, man. Jesus, just for a moment, thank you. for Something's happening. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's evidence of things we've not quite yet comprehended. It's, uh, it's something coming, something we've believed in. Father, we thank you, Jesus. And we know the enemy is concocting his plans even now, Father. Oh, Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, so I'm going to say it boldly, this will not be another Columbine. This city will not be. The enemy is trying to concoct and create a plan to deter the destiny of this city and cause it to fall in flames. But, Father, we thank you right now that your plans are greater. Your purposes are greater. And even what the devil's meant for evil intent, you will turn around for good. I'm telling you, the enemy's trying to concoct a scheme against the youth and the, the city to bring infamy and, and, and degradation to this place. But the Lord says, no, I'm not allowed to happen. If there's a people that would pray, if there's a watchman that would not go asleep, if there's men in the camp that will stir themselves and, and begin to be on the offensive, not be lackadaisical and retreat. There is no retreat in this hour. We've got to be on the front lines 
death do us part from the front lines. So I pray you stir the men. I just feel that's a, a mandate right now to pray for the men. Men, be stirred. Stir up the gift within you. Muster that faith again. Begin to come to strategic terms with God for the city, for the young people, for the housing projects. Uh, some of you might be saying, I've been there, done that. Oh, brother, you've not been there and you've not done that because what God's about to do, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, or even entered your heart what God has in store for us. So, Father, we can't have that attitude. Oh, I've already done that. Boy, we have not done that. And we've not been there yet. It's a place and a position that, Lord, we've never comprehended. And you're about to pour it out upon this city, Father, and cities around these cities, Father. And we thank you for a fault line of revival that's about to move all the way to the coast, all the way into Savannah, Father, and down the coast to Florida, up the coast, the eastern seaboard. Father, I believe this whole snowstorm is, is, a, is a preemptive strike of the Lord. The Lord's showing you a sign wherever these strange weather patterns are happening. God's saying, look. Mark the territory, mark the longitude and latitude lines, because that's where I'm going to move. That's where I'm going to strike. That's where I'm going to uh, uh, begin to take back the territory. Thank you, Jesus. And see, you've already had that sign in a wonder in the south. You know, uh, about three years ago, snow began to blanket the south. A phenomenal week that it had. And uh, it was a true sign and a wonder. God is marking with signs in the heavens above and earth beneath, blood, fire, pillar of smoke. He's marking with natural signs what he's going to do in, the, in, the, in cities and places, floods, uh, strange weather, uh, unusual weather patterns. I mean, we were in California at Azusa Street a f- few months ago, and God began to have us pray for the water. He said, as the enemy came in from the sky in New York, he's trying to come in from the water in L.A., and we were literally at the historic Azusa Street Church, and we began to pray. Next 17 days, pray for the water, pray for the water. You know, and three days later, there was a tsunami warning in L.A. Let me say it again, dude. There was a tsunami warning up and down the coast of California. See, moments like these, if we won't take it lightly, we'll realize are the first line of defense. We are God's intelligence. We are God's CIA. We are God's prophetic eye. See, we're starting to realize prophecy isn't just a conveyor belt to, you know, the Lord says to you, the Lord says to you, the Lord says to you. Prophecy was always intended to see the future, good and bad, and be in position to stop it and to change it. That's what prophecy's for. Are you with me? That's what prophecy's for. Ultimately, the greatest outcome of prophecy is to see the intents of God and the devil and say yes and say no. No. Jesus. Praise God. I want to read just a little text to you out of this little Bible. I'm not going to give too much explanation. It says it very plainly in this, this Bible. But it's, it's, I believe it's just instruction. It's just general instruction that we don't get off course, that we stay true to what God's called us to do. Listen to this. It's 2 Timothy 4. It's awesome the way it says this. He is about to break into the open with his rule. He is about to break out into the open with his rule. 
So proclaim the message with intensity. Mm. So proclaim the message with intensity. I'm just following the Bible this morning. Oh, dude, are you all right? When I watch a six-minute video about a militant Islamic camp outside of Jessup garnering international news, I'm going to preach this message with intensity. If our intensity can't match the enemy's intensity, you're done. If our intensity and devotion can't match the enemy's friend, you've already lost a battle. Ah! I burn inside me. I was in Columbine the night before it happened, by the way. I was in Dutch Sheets' church on Sunday morning preaching to the youth. And you know what my word was that morning? The day before Columbine? In Ramah, Rachel's weeping. I said, God, why am I preaching this to a bunch of kids? They had got all the youth together. Boy. And God was saying, I'm about to match the enemy's intensity. Something's about to happen. I'm going to match eyeball to eyeball, face to face. I'm going to move my church into an intense place of prayer and battle and war and evangelism. And did he ever. And you know what? I don't even think, even on a margin of success, that we've even reached the intensity we're supposed to that was, that was brought to us from moments like Columbine. That was a God. God allowed that to happen. Rachel Scott in her journal wrote the, 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 tear, the, the red teardrops from the rose. She literally marked exactly how many would die that day. Every one of them was Christians, martyrs, young people. Would you die for Jesus? Yes. Boom. Eyewitnesses. Powerful. See, the God, what God was saying is, I'm about to match the intensity of the enemy. I'm about to put an intensity in my people that will begin to rise up with fervency, effectual fervent prayer, power, dunamis power, and will begin to take back the earth, take back territory, not with just protests and picket signs, but with strong prayer, evangelism, outreach, charity, love. They'll overcome the devil by the love of God. Oh, dude. Dude's a Greek word for sir. <laughs> he is about to break into the open with his rule. So proclaim this message with intensity. This is battle plans right here. I've got two scriptures here with you right here. These are, this is blueprints. This is the battle right here. And what to avoid and what to do. Preach this message with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, oh yes, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Because you're going to find out that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching. Oh boy, you're going to find out (laughs) that there'll be a time when people will not have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. As you're sitting around the Super Bowl today, just use this as an analogy. Isn't this profound? There'll come a time where we'll not endure sound teaching and we'll begin to heap on ourselves teachers having itching ears or better yet, spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. This is the work of the enemy. I'm, I'm, I'm exposing the enemy. I'm not rebuking you. I think by and large you're on track. I'm exposing the tactics of the enemy right now. The greatest deluge that Christianity has ever felt. You think it was Mormonism? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. 
There is a deluge right now to, to seduce us from the battlefield. The best place the enemy could have you is right here. That's what David, that's what the enemy tried to do to Uriah. Come on, boy, let's go back home and watch the game. No, 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 I'm going to watch the game. Go home and go home and be with your wife. Here's a little wine. Ooh, here's a little wine. There's nothing wrong with wine. I've been to all the revivals, dude. I've stood with those very men. I'm telling you right now, but there's an attack of the enemy to say to Uriah, to say to the army of God, to say to the soldiers, come on over here. Just relax, drink some new wine, go home and be with your family. It's all good. And the reality is the battle is raging right outside the walls and pending doom. But you know what Uriah said to the king? No. I'll not go and drink new wine as my brothers fall in battle. That's the warrior's heart, man. And God's given us the heart of Uriah now. Is that his name? That's right. That's right. We're not. So the Lord's saying, get up off the ground. You had 10 years to soak. Now go to battle. I believe there is a time for soaking. But dude, I'm not joking. It's no time for soaking. Did you like that one? You can use that later. You can. There's a time for refreshing. My God, I believe in this. I, I believe in this with all my heart. It, but you know what? I think by and large the church failed to realize what it was for. It was to equip you to get you so deeply in love with him that you'll die and fling your life into the battle. But right now we're on dangerous ground where the enemy is trying to oppose us to try to, to, to bring us anything that would fancy us. And to erode sound teaching, the Bible, the truth, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the simplicity of Jesus. Let me read one more scripture, then I'm we'll go do some more prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, preach this word with intensity. Listen to this. This is awesome. Listen to, you know, by the way, 2 Timothy was the last book Paul ever wrote. He wrote that book in the Roman prison right before his death. And he said, folks, listen, the time's coming now. Don't give in to it. Keep it simple. Keep it intense. Urge, warn. Do the, go to the battle. Go to the battle, Timothy. Endure hardness. Don't, don't get, don't get uh, entangled with the affairs of this life, but please him who's called you to be a warrior. Come on, Timothy. Knew it was his last will and testament to the church. Second Timothy, read it later, last will and testament to the church. Praise God. You're a warrior, brother. I'm not deceived by your outer appearance. You seem a little t- timid, and not timid in a fearful way, but kind of like just melancholy and got it together. No, you, there's, a, there's a lion inside you. Paul was the same way. He said, in physical appearance, I seem fragile and kind of, de- but in word, oh boy, pa- Paul was a lion, dude. God, you know how he got out of a conference? Not a limo, not a car, not a, not a restaurant, a basket. Once Paul was done preaching, they had to get, all right, Pharaoh, where are we going to get Chad out? Okay, kick him out the side door, and then you got your back of your truck ready? Let's throw him in. 
and uh, should we take them out that side of the city? No, they could be waiting for them there. Let's take them out the back road. You know, that's, isn't that odd? That's how Paul left the meeting, dude. He, I mean, it was intense, man. Lowered him out by a basket, and he fled to the next city. You're a warrior. A warrior. A war, it's time, I see God stirring your heart for a, an, a, for a cause. That's what made David different, different than his brothers. David was not more qualified than the rest of the army. Tell you the truth, I believe that David's brothers was probably tougher and stronger and bigger. But he had a cause. The difference between an army that won't, won't fight and the army that will fight, the army that will fight has a cause. They have a reason. They can't just drive by a housing project and say, hmm, I wonder if that will ever change. No, the one that has a cause says, wait a minute. This has to change. This social injustice has to change. And they, they have a cause. A cause will give you boldness. A cause will give you courage. A cause will have you do things that you would never do in the natural. And all of a sudden, you find yourself running at a giant with no hope to win. <laughs> Let me say that. You find yourself running towards a giant with no hope to win. With rocks, you're facing swords and shields and armor. But God is with you. And the little gestures of kindness and love, the painting, uh, you know, washing a sidewalk, cleaning up junk, bringing in bags, uh, trash bags into a housing project with 50 Christians and picking up garbage and handing out uh, sack lunches and loving. But all the while, you know the agenda. We're coming here to wreck hell. We're coming here to push back the enemy. Because you know what? I believe the enemy, in light of the news on Fox News, I believe the enemy is trying to recruit people here. I believe the enemy is trying to go. And he always goes to the places of poverty because he knows that they're desperate, looking for purpose, looking for identity. It's not about they're needy and they just need Jesus, poor folks, poor boy. They just really need to get it together. No, they're the army. Every army is one with the common people that are looking for identity and purpose. That's why Germany was so formidable because it was a nation without identity. It had come from a World War I and lost its identity. And I'm telling you, if the church would have rose up in that hour and realized, Germany probably would have been the, one of the greatest nations of revival ever but became one of the most sinking disasters in world history because it was a people without identity. And us as prophetic people declare the identity. You, you're a warrior. God wants to use you. Come on. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can shout or... There'll come a time where the shout will be so... I'm telling you, there's some men in here that God's... I'm just going to prophesy to you. There's men in here. God's about to be the undoing of you. The undoing of you. Boy. Hunting season might just come and go. <laughs> wow. Did it, what happened? I, because you've been fully engaged. You've been on the front lines. Time just is a trivial necessity. Boy. Oh, i got to say it again. No, I won't. <laughs> there are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of these many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again, Paul says. Watch this scripture. I'm giving you strategy what the enemy's doing. We can figure out what he's doing, then it's going to be really clear what God's doing. Listen to this. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. 
All they ever want is the easy street. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. They hate the cross of Jesus. Isn't that a trip? They don't hate Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. Sound like an auctioneer. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. How many hallelujahs can I get today? How many praise the Lord is going to get today? Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. But they hate the cross of Jesus because the cross of Jesus represents the sacrifice, the self-loss, the demeaning of self to lift up Jesus. It means long hours. It means 1230. It means going out to Huddle House. So it means a lot of things. I can't even explain in each and every human being. But it means a life that's lived for the Lord. Boy, I had to face the cross on Friday. Me or the city? Me or Jesus? It was a minor chord played on the great orchestra of heaven, but it was a chord nonetheless, and I had to make a decision. So the Lord's asking us right now. He wants us to make us friends of the cross again. That old rugged cross that means we've got to go through that thing. Take up your cross daily. There's weird things going on out there right now. There's a gospel that has no repentance. There's a gospel that has no cross. There's a gospel that has no suffering. There's a gospel that just says a fast track to heaven. Let's just get there as quick as we can. And we've invented things to make that happen. We've invented, just like Paul said, we've invented things to take an easy street to heaven. Wow. I, you know what? I'm going to make a confession. I have no interest in heaven whatsoever. None. Zero. I have no, I, I think about heaven very, very little. Tell you the truth, I have no interest in dying. I have no interest in facing that deathbed. I have no interest in floating up into heaven and getting a little mansion and gardening. I have no interest at all. That's for the cowards, the weak. That's for the, that's for the ones that have given up the battle. That's for the people that have lost their cause. And Acts chapter 1 proves it. Once Jesus left, where were they doing? The whole church, the whole apostolic church. God, let's write a book about that. Before anything bad will happen to me, Jesus is going to come back and get me. Let's, what do you think, Peter? That would be a book bestseller, especially under a Roman regime where there's torture and murder and mayhem. It would be a great bestseller. See, those doctrines come during. The rapture really was concocted during the Cold War in fear of nuclear holocaust. It was a fear-driven thing. But God said, in this world you'll have much tribulation. Ah, but be happy. I've overcome the world. Isn't that what he said, the NIV version? (laughs) I think that little tidbit was for the men in here. Bless you, brother. I pray. You know what? Once a soldier, always a soldier, friend. My grandpa had a silver star and two purple hearts in World War II. Boy, you're a soldier of the cross. God's calling you again, I believe, as a reinstatement of authority and like almost an official anointing. To go and win. I see people that are acutely alcoholic. I see veterans. I see people that have given up life and hope. And I see God's using you in a real, uh, not just a half-hearted way or not just a loosely. I see God giving you a real strategy, a real ministerial strategy to win the people in alcoholism and, and, and just uh, drug addiction in the sense of, of wasting their life because of what they've went through and, and not just veterans, but people that have faced trauma, people that's associated with trauma and pain and loss, that God's using you to reach them and pull them back. Because, you know, they're the, they're the greatest warriors. You get those guys back on track, man. Peel some Vietnam vet off the sidewalk of New York City and talk about a leader. 
Oh, shoot. Get some gangbanger from the projects. You'll have a Nikki Cruz, you know. So, Father, thank you for that warrior's heart. Thank you for the warriors in this room. They're going to muster themselves for battle. Praise God. Praise God. I want to end with just one paragraph. I want to dedicate this to these kids in here. Is that all right? Remind me never to wear a long sleeve shirt in this church ever again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boy, Mom. Jesus. Come on, someone make a noise. Where's my kids? Where are you guys at? You really here? Help me out here. Just pretend there's no adults. Come on. Act like you did last night. Make a sound. Make a noise. Can you do it? Get up here. Where are you? Come on. Get up here. Come on. Come on, some of you youth up here. Oh, you don't act scared now. Don't act. Some of you kids get up here. Come on. Back up here. Come on. Let's show them. Let's show them. Let's show them. Let's show them. Get up here. Come on. I'm up here with you. Come on. It's all right. Give them a guitar. Give them an air guitar. Go get your Wii game or something. (laughs) Go get your rock band game real fast. Play that keyboard. Come on. You're going to hear something. You're going to hear something right now. Jesus. (laughs) Hit, hit, Hit this little bit of these lights off just for a moment. Not all of them. Just maybe just one or two. Whatever. Just... A little bit. There you go. This is how the battle's going to be won right here, folks. I want to end this meeting like we did last night. I want to open up the altar right now. Not necessarily come and lay down or kneel down, not even. I think what we could do is just ask you in the course of the next few minutes when God leads you. If you want to receive a new battle, a new battle plan, a new call, you, you, you want to muster yourself. I just want you in the course next few minutes just to come up here and begin to just receive a mandate to uh, the Lord to anoint you. Because battle's here, folks. I'm not going to shy away from this. This is war. This is battle. You've got uh, kind of strange things happening outside your city <laughs> that uh, I don't think it's the end of. But God has a bigger and better plan. And he needs some of you folks. I, I want to first open this front to the men. I hope the men could find, uh, get past their own fears and their own traditions and uh, let the youth lead them for a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come on, play a little sound. Where are you at? It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, here's some warriors. Wow. They're not, they're not going to be satisfied with just finding their favorite seat in church, man. No way. Just put away all your intellect and your knowledge, friend, because anything you know is not good enough for what God's about to do. I'm telling you, he needs to disconnect us. Turn her up a little bit. shall shout as they shouted in the plains of Jericho and the walls of religious restraint shall fall from them. Traditional armor will be shed for a more undignified approach. They will surprise hell with their unconventional methods. And the spoil of nations will be left at their feet. They'll be like the four lepers at the gates of the city who will exclaim, if we sit here we will die. 
They will come to the awesome conclusion that modern methods have failed. And they'll arrive at the river of a new experience and select five smooth stones. They will discover the momentum of harvest and fling themselves at the giants of the age as their predecessors David did. They'll be a dangerous dilemma to hell as they poise themselves in the fields by night as the shepherds of old did. And the heavens will be open to them. The mild-mannered methods of modern ministry will not take hold of these. They'll thunder across the land with the cry of harvest. They'll come upon a city like lightning to leave the forest of men's thinking in ashes. They'll walk like Elijah did. And they'll call down fire on the altars of intellectualism and enlightenment. Nations will turn at the sight of these. Kings will issue decrees at the sight of these young people, this new breed. The lion's den of religion persecution will not produce timidity. But modern day Daniels. They'll come with the message of heaven for a planet void of it. They'll be a Joseph in times of spiritual famine. They'll be the youth who survived the fires of men's thinking to emerge from the institutions without even the hint of smoke on their clothes. They will dress different, act different, sleep different. They'll raise a standard of holiness not defined by outward religious appearances. But the hidden man of the heart. And they will rewrite the theological pages of history with the tongue of a ready writer. Their words will be gold in a land of imitation. They are living martyrs who have died already. They have lost their lives to gain his. They are crucified with Christ. It is not they who now live, but Christ who lives in them. They have lost all identity to exchange it for his authority. They are the Esthers of the day who comprehend that they were born for such a time as this. They will lose themselves to gain him. And they'll appear for a little while. And then you'll see them no more. Like Philip in the book of Acts, they'll be caught away and disappear into other harvest fields to sow and to reap. For they have no resting place on this earth. Their kingdom is one yet to come. They march to a different drum. They'll separate themselves from a system of temporary positions. They'll discard titles and trophies. They'll refuse the kingly robes of reputation. And they'll put on Christ. For the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their light. The Lord gives their voice before his army, for his camp is very great.